the greatest commandment? Apparently, the Jewish people had a game. Many, many of the ancient cultures, since they had none of our, oh, try not to sound pejorative, they did not have our trivial entertainments. I'm going to come back to this. If you know three languages, they call you what? Trilingual. Two languages, they call you what? One language, they call you? The beauty of what we saw in that video with Wayumi, breaking out of our comfort zones, being shocked to the point that we are not in control of the world, our way of life is not the only one, and, and we need that so desperately just to get to know our neighbor. That other bunny trail I was running just, okay, that was it. So in these ancient cultures that knew three, four, and five languages, they would, they would learn algebra for a hobby. They were mind games, word games. It was just way of life. And so in Jesus' day, there's this game. Can you boil down the whole Old Testament Torah into one thought while you're standing on one foot? My balance isn't what it used to be. And so I can just see them when they come up, Jesus, Rabbi, Master, what is the greatest commandment? My imagination, I can just see a twinkle in Jesus' eyes. He stands to one foot. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's so many things I would love to share, and the time is short, and I always talk too long. Let's run with the word love for just a moment. Because of the, the quality of preaching you've had for years, everything I'm about to say is probably common, but bear with me a second again. In the Greek language, you had three words for love. Eros is erotic love. Absolutely fabulous inside of marriage. It is a powerful, wonderful tool in the hands of God. The devil just likes to twist it and run away with God's good gift for marriage. Phileo. Many times we think of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. A phileo love is best friends. It's give and take. We just enjoy one another. It, there's even among, you know, bromance. We understand. We, we jive. We like the same hobbies. The funny thing is, phile is the word for kiss. So the phileo love is both this give and take camaraderie, but it is also affection. All good stuff for the kingdom of God. Agape comes. Now, there are some who say that, well, agape is, is God's love. You know, you've really become spiritual when you have agape. Until you realize Jesus' condemnation of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they loved the seat of honor. And that's agape. They loved the praise of men. Oh, wait a second. I thought John 3.16, agape was sacrificial love. It is. But what are you and I sacrificing for? That's the only question. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Make him so valuable in your life that you will sacrifice whatever he asks. Is your and my hand wide open with our treasures, with our family, with our locality? God, my life is yours. Now, God, what could you do with my paltry little life so you could get the glory? One of my daughters heard me use this illustration so much when she saw this, she bought it for daddy. If this was a real diamond, just imagine what this thing could be worth. And yet talk to me. What is diamond made out of chemically? Carbon? That black soot left out on your candle? Our most priceless gem is nothing but dirt? Of course it is. It's hard to come by dirt. And people will spend millions of dollars for dirt? All right, all right. So I have control. I can't help it, Pastor. I fell in love with her. Oh, really? We have a whole lot more control on our affections than we think. So hand in hand with this, I want to encourage you today in things that God has been teaching Deb and me. This is not, you have failed. This is a, what your missionaries have been learning, and if any of it blesses you, glory to God. So God has been working in my heart. Ah, yes, our diamond. And next. Three ways to love God. By loving our neighbors. Ugh. Those of you who put together PowerPoints, I really did. I wiped out the timing on this. It wasn't supposed to progress without my... Bear with me, please. It, it may do this the whole message long. Love those in the lost community on top. Love by putting your faith into action and love others in teams. I'll try to develop each point as we go here. How many times have you heard this, the phrase, it's not what you know, but who you know that matters? I grew up in Marshall, Michigan. My dad grew up in Marshall, Michigan. In both his lifetime and mine, you did not get to be quarterback unless your last name was on the list of people with money and power. We knew what a glass ceiling was. But there was a wrong lesson I picked up from that. I grew up in a farmer's family. Dad is blue collar. He could never get to college. So on the positive side, all of our conversations to us kids around the table was, after you go to college, what would you like to do? Do you wonder if any of us went to college? The idea was cemented. But somehow, it takes me until I'm 57 years old before it gets through my thick skull that I could call up the mayor and have lunch with the mayor. It's because another missionary who, on the mission field, they always went straight to the tribal chieftain first. They went to all the movers and shakers first. He mentions, hey, Jeff, anyone in the newspaper if they're a leader in any industry, in any way, shape, or form, call them up and say, I just saw you in the newspaper. I'm trying to learn about Bowie, Maryland. 
could I have 15 minutes of your time? You can just tell me anything I need to know about Bowie. Huh, I could do that? 1 Timothy chapter 2, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority. Well, yeah, of course we know that. How do you know what to pray for them? Do I have to be 57 years old before the Holy Spirit finally kicks me hard enough? I could go ask. How do I find out the needs of my town? How about if I talk to the people who, even though they've got tax money, never have enough money to meet the needs of the community? Maybe they'd know. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to be very honest here. Does it really need to take this long to get things through my thick skull? That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. How about our superintendent of public schools? How about the local principal? How about the teachers for our kids? Something happened in the midst of our culture wars, 60s, 70s, and following, that for many conservative, fundamental, Bible-believing Christians, it was easy to pick up an us and them, and the them is somehow enemy. I'm going to try to wrap this. God's been working in my heart and life in so many different things. But the book of 1 Peter is all about encouraging people under persecution. And time after time through that book, your good response to difficult situations will bring shame on those who would persecute you. So picture with me, if and when persecution lands in the United States, do you want to have to open a door and see your police chief for the first time and he has no clue who you are? Or would you rather have been on two or three of his task forces where the police and the teenagers are trying to meet and you in the local church was helping lock people together to bring peace and joy to the community? Man, I want to be the guy that the mayor knows by name so that when he hears some stupid accusation on what those Christians are doing, <laughs> he just laughs. He might not be able to tell them everything we've been doing to help that city, but man, I want the police chief and the mayor to know who's their best friend. So as we're praying for President Trump, opinions, good, bad, or otherwise, as we're praying for Michigan's governor, as we're praying for the mayor of Battle Creek. Now, if this is all new to you, I'm, I'm honest. 57 years old before it, I could go and... It's not what you know, it's who, so let's go meet the who. Let's make those relationships. It never occurred to my dad that he could be best friends with the movers and shakers. He just growled about not being in the in crowd. And so here's our mayor, Frederick Robinson. He was uh, chief of the police for many years, came in, sitting over lunch with him with my son-in-law, Ian. This man is on ticket. He's a Democrat. He is the most morally conservative, fiscally conservative Democrat I have ever happened to meet. 
And if you could imagine just outside the beltway where we're ministering in Bowie, my political opinion does not get mentioned. The gospel and the love of Christ needs to be mentioned. If I shut doors because I said I'm a, and they're not, what good was that? So I'm getting to meet this man who is not of my political persuasion and find out that whatever name he carries, this is a man I want to vote for. He cares for the city of Bowie. He so carefully manages money, they have not raised taxes in eight years in Bowie. This is a man that knows the city. And now, first blush, how can we help? He is ready, because he's more or less a salesman of the city, to tell you all the business prospects, how good the schools are, how good the... I need to have lunch with him again and say, okay, now what are the real needs? Because you're used to selling the pitch of how good town is. But we're all people and their needs and what's, what's falling through the cracks. A simple thing another gospel preaching church is doing. Because our whole bedroom community, 56,000 people, is a upward, upper middle class, the whole, the whole town. They like all the houses to look that way. Some of the original owners in 1963 are now how old? 80s and 90s. And their lawn is getting too high because, man, you didn't even need to fall and break a hip. But things just aren't working. I'm not outside. The city has a way that there's going to be a fine if you don't mow your lawn. This other gospel preaching church has made the connection. I need to make the connection for my piece of town. Hey, as soon as you need to find somebody about their lawn, phone call my church. We will get that lawn mowed and find out what the family needs that they're not mowing their lawn. How simple. Mowing lawns is what I've been doing since I was eight years old. I can mow lawns. I could get to meet elderly people. I could meet needs. The city, the, the inside power people, are phone calling me for help. Did it take me 57 years to learn that? So, on we go. Our chief of police. The only reason Bowie has a police force, it was county police, the only reason the city has police force is they voted to pay more taxes so they could have their own police. The police department takes that as an honor. The only reason we exist is to serve Bowie. And so I sit down with the police chief, and he says, every young man applying for a job, I look at him and say, now, you need to understand. If Grandma McGillicuddy lost a pink flamingo from her front yard, that is as serious as a breaking and entering that took her diamonds. We are here to serve Bowie, and you will treat them as everything's important. These, these people care. This is going to be a neat place to minister. Michael Estev on the city council. He's the only one of the seven or so I've been able to have lunch with so far. He's the age of my son. He's political science, like my son. I can talk to this guy. It was a very fun interaction. Matt Corley is the event coordinator, and as I shared in Sunday school, we were able to get into the Memorial Day Parade. We were able to get into the Bowie Fest. 270, 300 different vendors Many of us nonprofits, many crafts, wonderful food, and people just coming through. Matt explained that if you want any adult to stop by and 
pay attention to your literature, you get a second booth with kids' activities. So here we have the city event manager telling me how to be successful as a church. I like this. And so we're just building every relationship we know how. Stumbling, halting, regular encouragements from my sweetheart. Honey, it's been several weeks since you called anybody new. Don't you think you need to go to lunch? Yeah, I do. She's willing to go through the newspaper to help me find the names. And so just trying to meet people. How many times in the New Testament do you think God commanded or instructed us, believers, to regularly invest in the lives of lost people? That one is a rhetorical question I'm going to walk you through. Somehow, with the turn from 1900 into the 20th century, with a movement among Baptists that we were going to change the world by doing good and the social gospel was born because they were trying to minister in cities with horribly great need but without a good solid foundation of theology. Well, many of us who reacted to that whole thing, we were saved by Ephesians 2, 8, 9, what? Not by... But what does verse 10 say? We'll see that in just a moment. I have no idea what that is. I hope he goes away soon. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds. Your what? Christians are to be not patting themselves on the back, not blowing trumpets, but just helping and loving people so often they can't help but notice once in a while. As soon as you and I do it to be seen, all the reward goes. But every time we do it just to love people, just to invest in people, that gets other lost people's attention. Luke 69, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain what for yourselves? A bigger cottage on the lake? An extra car in the driveway? I'm being facetious, bear with me. To gain friends for yourself? What? I love it. Ray Comfort, just godly man who just shares all these millions of ways to witness to people. He said, walk up with a $2 bill to somebody in a mall and look at them and say, if I give you this $2 bill, will you let me tell you about Jesus? He says, I've never had anyone refuse my $2 bill yet. It, could it possibly be that simple to witness? Have any of you ever felt like, Lord, I don't have anybody I witness to? I, I, don't, I don't have any unsaved friends. Got a $2 bill? I'm sharing this with you because does it take this long for me to learn? Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in what? Finish it. Well-doing is our King James. It's locked into memory. It means doing good. It means good works. Let us not become weary in good works. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest spiritually if we do not give up working physically. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. This is not some isolated thing. We need to band together as teams. If we've got five, six families with teenagers in football, 
let's band together as parents of the football team to not just help with the pads and practices and uniforms, but to go to enough practices and enough games and to have pizza parties for the kids that we build relationships and lead them to Christ. If we have Awana, we've already got this glorious mission field. But I, as an Awana worker, that was just Wednesday night. I did my job. I'm... How about their families? Let's invest deeply. Let's do good. As we have opportunity. Well, Lord, I just haven't had any opportunity. The only way we'll ever have an opportunity is making time, creating time. Larry Burkett, he's now home with the Lord, but he taught us a lot about financial things. He said, I, I met with this family, and uh, just the husband is working, and the, the biggest cry is, I don't have enough money. And so I counseled him, and I helped him. And the next guy came in, he made twice as much money. I don't have enough money. The next guy came in, and he had four times as much money. Guess what he said? No one has enough money. No one has enough time. The only way your neighbors are going to hear about the Lord is inviting them over to Christ, building a redemptive relationship, and as the Lord opens the door, share God Christ with them. I don't know if the statistics are still true, but the old statistic was we all lose our unsaved contacts within six to nine months of getting saved. So we can have churches with 400 people in worship, praising God gloriously, and no unsaved contacts at all. And so it'd be no wonder if we never see anybody saved. Because all my friends and family are now saved, and we have to carve out the time. So Deb and I are meeting all our neighbors and having them in. And Deb's spiritual gift is not hospitality. It is conscious effort. It is planned. She is a wonderful, gracious host, and she's trembling the whole time because she, she really liked this to come off well, and it, it's got 40 ways it can crash and burn. So if you feel scared to do it, join us. Join the club. I do so many stupid things publicly. My mother-in-law, real woman of God, she says, Jeff, that just lets people know you're human. Are you ever tired? this human. <laughs> but what did Paul say? Paul would gladly be a fool that the lost world would know Christ. Oh, but my pride, my... That's what we spaskets are for. My fear, my pride, God, I will stumble ahead, but let them know, let them know I love them and you love them. However doofy I look. Remember the, the way you meet? This person in character has sat down with them and is talking their language and you don't know anything to talk back. And they just said, you feel so stupid. You've never felt like that with a neighbor, have you? <laughs> we all have. So may we just be foolish and love them because that allows them to start dropping the walls and, oh, you're just a real person like me. Maybe I could actually enjoy you. I'm going too long. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are we saved through faith. This not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. Ephesians 2, 10. For we are his workmanship created into Christ Jesus unto. So they don't save me. Nothing I can do can save me. But I am saved to invest Jesus in this lost world. Invest my money in these lost people. 
Now, among the old Bible Baptists, the only reason God left you on earth after you were saved is to win souls. Close. The reason he left you on earth is to invest in lost people so that as the Holy Spirit opens up the opportunity, you can win souls. This New Testament, it is just full. We are here to do good works. But it means for Jeff and Deb that we literally have to crank open space to make it happen. 1 Timothy 6, 17, 18, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. Our enjoyment, plural word, invite people in to enjoy the riches with you. Command these people to do good, to be rich in good deeds. The Greek language has two words for good. To do good, the first one there is agathos. It means just the most practical cup of cold water in Jesus' name. In in Titus chapter 2, teach the young girls to be kind, just practical help. I don't have to be smart to be practically helpful. Command the rich to be practically helpful and to be rich in good deeds is kalos. Kalos is noble, sacrificial, It's just something beautiful and and praiseworthy, sacrificial. Hear that up front. Help them to be practical. Help them to sacrifice. Have you heard anything about our American median income compared to the rest of the world? Is it possible that the rest of the world would call the rest of us rich? But is that what Jeff Meniere's life has been known for? That if you're anywhere near Jeff, he's just looking for a practical way to help you. He's looking for a way to sacrificially invest in your life. That is our goal in Bowie. That if we died in a car accident, any of our neighbors, any of the city people were getting to know, man, all you had to do was ask these folk. They were just there to help. They would give whatever was needed. Man, that's the kind of thing I'd like on my tombstone. The Titus section. Titus is this pit of moral decay. And what is commanded all through Titus chapter 2, elder men, elder women, train the younger women. It is good works to do good works. Young men, Titus, if you can just get them to be self-controlled, if you can just make them so that their brain is aware all the time of what they're doing. If they're on the basketball court, they're not so competitive, but they know when they just punched the guy. Can you have your, and then what do you do once you help them to be self-controlled? They're situationally aware. Set them an example by doing good works in front of them. Take them along as you mow the widow's lawn. Elder men, let's take young men under our arm and show them how to fix cars so they're equipped to help other people. The whole book of Titus is surrounding that. Let's get to here. This is a trustworthy saying. I want you to stress these things so that those who've trusted in God may be careful to what? Devote themselves to doing what is good. The book ends. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order they may live productive lives. Hebrews 10.24. We're all familiar with 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. This is the little brother verse. King James Provoke one another unto love and good deeds. Did any of you have a little brother who provoked you? 
just needle you and pick on you until you're screaming in the car, and then they're innocently looking out the window. Well, could it possibly be we could encourage and provoke a little love and good deeds? It is so easy. If I know somebody likes football, hey, how did the game go? It's so easy to talk sports. Could we ever get real enough with one another to say, hey, do you have anybody you're investing in that I could pray with you that will open up an opportunity to witness? Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through what? Love from the top down because your leaders know how desperate the needs are. Love by putting your faith into what? Sacrificial action. Your flesh is going to scream the same thing my flesh does. But, 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 it'll cost too much. And so we're going to have to give what we can, depending on God, to give all the extra through us. Because none of us have the resources, this desperate world but we are connected directly to him who does. I'm out knocking on doors, inviting people to Shiloh Baptist Church of Bowie, and this guy just lights up like a light bulb. Have you heard of Turn on the Light Bowie? Well, it happened in the Memorial Day Parade. I saw your signs, Turn on the Light Bowie, but no, I've not heard of it. Would you have just a second and you could sit down with me on the patio? I don't know about you, but this is the first time I've had someone say, can we sit and talk? Pastor just knocked up. Yeah, I've got time. We'll come to find out. He is a saved, united Methodist who is passionate about equipping every Bible-preaching church in the area with these three simple words. He says, my passion, I'm trying to equip the pastors so the pastors could equip their people to go back into their neighborhood and just go up to a neighbor and say, can I pray for you? And as you build a relationship praying with your neighbor to then show care by meeting their needs and in the middle of caring for them, share Jesus Christ. Prayer, care, and share. Is that anything like your church, Jeff Minier? Galen, let's talk. <laughs> he, he just gave me the words for everything my heart's doing here. So please, if you didn't write anything else down today, would you write these three words? But it does bump right into the last thing that we Baptists are bad about. For years and years and years, I have done everything, backflip, song and dance, to equip my people to go out and prayer and care and share with their neighbors, and I just sent them out alone. How many times did Jesus send out his disciples alone? Never. How many trips did the Apostle Paul make alone? Where did Timothy learn to do the ministry? In Bible college? Seminary? There's the thing about our American churches. Pastor, you're going to have to be one of my kids today, if you would stand up. In Bible college, we had the phrase, you've got to be ready to preach, pray, sing, or die at a moment's notice. For my kids, you need to be able to preach, sing, or be one of Dad's illustrations on a moment's notice. 
our American Christianity, you may know everyone in the pews around you because we tend to sit in the same area, but we've done something without realizing it. I get just close enough to you, we can shake hands, and we look good, but you can't see the cracks in my walk with Christ. I never let you in, oh, I've got an 18-inch bubble, brother. But literally, we have got to start building relationships to where we're close enough that he sees where I'm failing, and he might rebuke me and help me, and both of us would grow by leaps and bounds. But, but I want to look good at church, and so we keep this distance, and we don't grow. So I beg of you, please consider as God is, thank you, Pastor, as God is teaching Deb and I, if you've got a small group ministry, don't let it just be an ingrown thing as your small group, target a neighborhood, target a school, target a football team, and as a group, witness together. Witness together. Jesus never sent the guys out alone or the ladies. Why, why do we? Up in Grand Rapids, there was Grand Rapids Baptist College and Grand Rapids School of the Bible and Music. And there's this rivalry of who's the better school. But if you work in the foundry, the first question in the foundry, how many kids you got? The second question, how many legal? Because it was a bragging point to have kids from five or seven other women. That was the world of the foundry. You find a brother from the Grand Rapids School of Bible Music in that darkness, and it's no competition anymore. I had it. I just never realized how important it was. But we would team up. Have you got to witness to Mike yet? How about Wes? I got to share this much of the gospel. What have you got to share with him? We tag team witnessed. It was not up to Jeff to be the sole witness. We had five guys between the two schools. And we were tag teaming, investing in the lost to see. Rhetorical question, but for your own heart, what team are you a part of right now that you are tag teaming to win the lost? I already told on myself, even when I was in Awana, too easily I just wanted my Awana ministry to be step in on Wednesday night, step out, instead of use that as a stepping stone into all the children's lives and reach their family. So, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. And the man wanted to justify himself, so he said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus told a story. A man from Jerusalem to Jericho got waylaid, beaten to a pulps beside the road. Who are the two people that walked by first? Tell me. Louder? You got a, a Levite and a priest. I'm on my way to serve in the temple. If I touch this guy, I'm going to be unclean for seven days. I'll miss my whole opportunity. I'll be a nobody. They're on the other side of the road. And I don't know what your deepest, ugliest prejudice could be, but that's what a Samaritan was when Jesus drops this line. The Samaritan saw the man and did everything a God-fearer should do, and he he worships the wrong God. There's nothing right about a Samaritan. 
Anyone in need is our neighbor. But I don't know their needs. Join the club. How are we going to find out what their needs are? Let's, let's go ask if we can pray for them. It's the simplest things. I don't have a list yet of everyone I've led to Christ. I've just moved to town, starting to interact with everyone I can, waiting for God to start busting open doors so the love of Christ can shine even brighter than it does just around us with our few neighbors. So as you pray for us, pray that as we get to know those on top, we'll properly hear about the needs and help invest. Pray for us as we try to be his workmanship created to do good deeds. Have you ever tipped a waiter or waitress 30 or 40% just to make them spin around on their heel so you could give them a track? Use your money to win friends for heaven. Be radically generous and shock them because your Savior was radically generous and shed his blood for these worthless people who now get to go to heaven because of a radical generosity. Please, show your love in teams. Too long, we've tried to do the ministry functionally alone with too much distance because I want to look good. And my flesh and my pride are running the ministry. Oh, Heavenly Father, help us.